clarity competes with other concerns when I'm drawing and writing and illustrating. It's, uh, you know, it's this whole uh, situation where I'm trying to get enough information and emotion into a page, right? And well, when should I be going for clarity or if I can accomplish it, an inspiring awe? Well, um, I'm thinking of this both in my art process and, you know, in my output, but then also as a teaching artist thinking about, well, how could I turn this into a learning module and how perfect I'll be chatting with Jersey Droz today who uh, is, has made tons, countless comics. And he thinks super deeply about making every single comics page and all these kinds of concerns, exactly what we're talking about today, clarity versus aesthetic arrest. And so all right. And he's been teaching for years in this. So let's let's get going and see what Jersey has to say about clarity versus inspiring awe. Welcome to the Lean Into Art Cast Creative Work Chat episode, where we explore a creative problem, things that come up as being visual storytellers, teaching artists, and le- and learners. My name is Jersey Drozd. I'm a cartoonist and teaching artist. Oh, and I'm Rob Stenzinger. I'm a uh, user experience designer, uh, interactive maker, and also teaching artist. Good to see you again, Rob. Um, so, Thanks. Good yeah, to we're, see you. it's a clarity versus. You know, uh, inspiring awe. What a great frame. And, you know, I know it's not that binary, but I'm sure it's more interwoven. We're going to expo- explore it in a very lean into arty way. But those are, they do point to like sort of the different jobs that are being asked for when we're making things to communicate visually, right? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, uh, and, you know, c- creating a concise, title for for an idea that's always part of the puzzle and I, I think it you know I think we're we're in the right zone um, even though it's it's way more than like a versus right um, hopefully people find our conversation and thinking because uh, you know we've got a concise attractive title and so at some <laughs> point we'll, we'll both be looking like we're we uh, st- I don't know what stepped on attack and a Lego at the same time as we look at our own titles um, and have a green screen cut out of us on there because that's like click town. Everyone's going to click the heck out of that, but we're working on it, right? So titles are a start, framing it up. Mm-hmm. We do have a puzzle, right? I mean, it's, yeah, there's there's a lot of concerns when you're trying to, um, you know, a, like accomplish whatever that right mix is for the um, the visual composition and all the information and, and everything that goes with it. Um, and of course, I mentioned, you know, comics that you're dealing with this all the time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so to, to begin the framing of this, and let's, we'll talk about like where, you know, this is coming from for you, Rob, but like I was reminded of some advice that gets kicked around a lot with regard to comic storytelling is that, and this is a very shorthandy thing, and I don't necessarily subscribe to it, but it illustrates the complexity of the different jobs in the pages. Fabian, I think it was Fabian Nicienza, an X-Men writer who once said, you only get one panel to show off. You get one panel to really do the inspiring awe with your technical skill and, you know, like uh, visual bravado. And then the rest of the panels on the page are journeyman panels. They are meant to achieve clarity and tell the story. You don't have to fuss over those ones. And that's a way to make the work manageable is to think about it that way. And what I like about that is it points to this fact that sometimes the art is about showing off what art can do. Sometimes the art is in service to something else to achieve clarity of meaning so that you're not noticing the art 
right? And yeah, that's 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 a trapeze act that I have been spending a long time thinking about, you know, 25 years doing this stuff. So, yeah, but where does this where does this topic come from for you, Rob? <laughs> trapeze act, yeah. Um it's uh well, okay, lately um, it, it's, it's kind of a, um, across the, a large timeline, kind of what, what you're describing dealing with in, in comics for a long time. Um, cause I have dealt with it in comics as well. Uh, but it's been a while since that's been a main project for me. Uh, but lately it's been illustrating blog articles and, uh, sometimes those, uh, articles I, I, um, sort of, I select some that become things I put into other venues, right? Um, and you know, where my blog is like a product development lab and then, well, go on tour occasionally with, with some stuff. Oh yeah. And here you are, you're at interactive storyteller.com. And yeah, there's yesterday's article where I, um, I comment on finishing my creativity journal series, uh, 22 pages of, uh, reflecting kind of this, I don't know, sort of pseudo, uh, concise, poetic stuff thinking about uh, the creative process and design and all that kind of stuff. And that's, you know, there's what, 22 ish, 23, four articles in that series. Uh, 22 of them are, are, you know, transcriptions of pages of different ideas of creative process and whatnot. But anyway, like uh, coming up with something for that, like what is a good enough title card? What should the, you know, the, the figurative art be to describe things and whatnot. And, you know, different posts have different problems to solve. And, and then what could it become? It always could be more. That's part of the puzzle, right? Dealing with the tension of resources and goals. Um, but like, uh, art, creating art assets for guitar fretter, um, thinking of, um, and if you're curious about that, that's a game I made. Uh, this is, not, this is not a summary. I guess inherently it's a, it, these are natural, um, you know, moments to mention projects that I, that I do, but yeah, guitarfretter.com is, you know, go to there and you'll, you'll get to, to the itch.io page which has, which has links to all the different platforms that, that have guitar fretter, which is a game of, of making, um, uh, making a, a playful experience out of learning the note positions on a guitar fretboard. It's like a puzzle mixed with Galaga plus guitar kind of thing. Sort of. It's not heavy shooter, but, you know, you're matchmaking and uh, taking out creatures. Anyway, um, I'm working on a new art update for that. Um, and uh, there is, you know, so coming up with that, that encounters a whole bunch of things with uh, compatible enough with the existing style, com um, dealing with, uh, well, refinement and accomplishing new clarity and message. But also like, I mean, if there's anywhere where I want to really hit that balance, it's, well, I want, uh, to help the sales of the game and also the experience of people who bought that thing. Uh, speaking of that UX consulting run with into it all the time there in the end product, right? That so designing often designing screens, but sometimes physical products and, and, um, spaces, uh, I've, I've, I don't know, I've, UX is such a broad brush that, that when I'm talking about it, just to give clarity is, uh, I'm a generalist who's helped out in, um, sometimes in big organizations, but typically with, uh, teams set up to just go explore in new spaces. So I don't know, that's a different flavor of UX some folks, when they say UX, it's like, I'm a UX researcher for this particular kind of interaction. And then 
you know, and I hand off what I learned to other places. What I'm talking about is the generalist whole cycle, do some research, try to apply what you learn into a, a design. That design does need to get communicated to a, to a team. So all of a sudden you're dealing with tensions depending on the org you're serving. Where when I was in, uh, I'm often in, well, in, in uh, like digital marketing kind of places, uh, the aesthetics of the design materials themselves was hugely important. Like yeah. that thing held weight or didn't, if it was honestly uh, getting close to some kind of aesthetic uh, impressiveness, right? Mm -hmm. So even though the ideas are the same, it's like, well, here's what we learned. Yeah, I could write it on a napkin in we all have the same information, but can't, that's, that's not the right context for this. And then of course, what ends up in the final work, um, as well. Anyway, th it's, it's all over the place. That that's where, that's where I'm coming from. Uh, I don't know if this was a helpful tour of wrestling what I mean, with aesthetics versus other goals. What, well, what I'm hearing is that this is not specific to any one kind of communication, right? Mm. Um, I mean, you could you could also simplify this down, or I mean, let me say reduce it down to like style versus substance in a way. Like we're kind of talking that same direction. Is when is the art servicing the style? When is it servicing the substance? Where do you put the effort on this stuff? And so, yeah, when I'm thinking about my teaching work, um, I think about my visual presentations, and it, it's so funny. I was just listening to a. Uh, this is like a little bit of a divergent tab, but like it, it's it's sort of points at like the how we like to think about visual communication as having two interdependent pieces of information, like what's being said and what's being seen. And that I mean that's let me let me I won't speak for you, Rob. I'll say that's how I come at it as a comic book person. I'm always thinking about that. And that they the two should syncopate in a way where somebody's taking more of the weight at any given time, but neither of them are repeating effort. Okay, I'll tell you what I mean. I was listening to this 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 webinar about how to uh, use Instagram, uh, and the person was talking about how the algorithm works as of that the time of that recording, and they said like th they do have some bots that are scrubbing the information to look for does the, the information in the text appear to be connected to or refer to the, the images that they're connected to. So in other words, if I post a picture of my cat, I'd say, this is my cat, Shenandoah. That gets more points because I said, this is my cat, right? Supposedly. And as I was listening to that, I'm like, oh, I wonder if that's why I'm so bad at Instagram because like I always think of the image as being supported by the text, but you can't take either away and have it make as much sense, right? It's that whole like McCloudian thing of the kid playing show and tell. There's some things he's showing, there's some things that the kid's telling. Um, but anyway, th that just demonstrates this idea is that like, I at least don't think of the stuff as being um, redundant. I always try to think of them as both carrying different um, loads of the information at different times, whether I'm, whether I'm teaching and doing like a slide deck for presentations or whether I am making comic books. Are you sure? So I, I think that makes a lot of sense for the comics, but I have a hunch that it, when you're talking about teaching, uh, you're probably doing uh, multiple ways of encoding the idea and experience and, and skills. Um, because I, that is, that's a huge thing for, for UX design. Re redundancy is actually desired. Mm. So think of like alt text on an image 
Uh, mm, think about mm. um, having multiple paths to accomplish a task, something for, for people who have um, who are early in their journey and learning something or who people who are experts and then there's shortcuts, two different mm. ways to accomplish the same thing. And then sometimes, well, and even the idea of an icon with text next to it, you've, you've encoded the, 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 um, the, the representation of what is accomplished through this, you know, the promise of this button or interaction and you've promised it in a couple of ways that can reach people in, in, in reinforce, right? Mm, mm, mm. And it's, is it redundant? Yeah, but it's redundant it, it, to across a couple of different ways of 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 encoding the information or experience. Okay. So, so when yeah, you're teaching, I, right? I mean, yes and no. I, I guess I'm thinking of a very specific use case that I, where my slide deck does not have bullet pointed text. My slide deck is entirely just images. If you were to see it without the context of my performance, you would not know what those images mean. Gotcha. That but that artifact is backed up by you performing. That's right. Though. That's right. So, yeah. Okay. So there's a, yes, that's what, I guess that's what I was talking about is yes, the, you can't take the, the, the words and the images apart and have them make as much sense. Like if you listen to a podcast of my teaching performance, you would be hampered by the fact that you can't see what I'm talking about. And if you looked at the slide deck, you wouldn't know what the context was for why those images were chosen. Um, but I could see how, yes, in, in, UX design redundancy would be absolutely essential in order to reach different learning modalities and different approaches to make sure that right, you're making it as accessible as possible to everybody in that who's going to experience this thing, right? Yeah, I mean, different abilities and you know, related to um, any, anything from cognitive to motor skill. So if you have an app that has tiny buttons and all of a sudden now, what about people who have a little bit of shake and or pretty much everyone has a little bit of you know, input mm. shake, right? But, and some folks, they have way more and, mm. and now they're hitting the wrong things in your app and you have to think about that. And what about, um, and there's principles that summarize these things too that people blurt out that anyway. Um, so the, the size of a touch target, the, the, um, you know, it applies if you're moving a mouse cursor and whatnot too. Mm. Um, and, uh, so you, yeah, so, but then, Right. So you, you have different uh, different abilities, uh, different well, cognitive abilities as far as, um, you know, reading level or um, maybe how many concepts need to be held in mind to accomplish the tasks. Or so, in the, you know, so, for instance, a complex illustration may be doing a ton of different things and you may not get the full picture unless you're really thinking about all kinds of parts of it at once. So I think it applies even, not, in, in, you know, like you said, it was. You know, this stuff seems to touch all communication. Yeah, yeah, and and and, and it's not just it's not just a simple on and off switch. Even though, like we said, the title suggests. I wonder if this would be a good opportunity to take a break before we talk yeah. about a little bit. You know, talking about more specific examples of how we have encountered this, and maybe I don't want to say wrestled with it. I'm trying to find some like less aggro language to to talk about engaging with creative challenges, right? Uh, I, I don't want to crush it today. I want to have fun today. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this came up on my live stream this morning as I was telling the story when I was live streaming on Twitch and then a raid came into my stream and I didn't know what a raid was. And so I banned them. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. You had a raid on your stream. That's cool. I just and, saw one of those for the first time the other day. 
And like what I did it, the people who were watching were like, that was a good thing. You just like kick people off for trying to help you. I was like, what? Why are they calling it a raid then? And somebody in the chat said, well, when I was telling the story, like, yeah, why don't they call it like a surprise party? I'm like, that's my speed. That is exactly how I want it. <laughs> surprise party. I, now, I, now I'm happier here. But if you come to my house and we're here to perform a raid, I'm going to say not in my house. <laughs> anyway. Oh, funny. So you had a misunderstanding <laughs> with the raid, which is understandable. Think about that. The naming. So, okay. So, I don't know. Let's start after the break with Jersey's raid, and then go okay. From there. <laughs> that sounds great. Okay, so if this is helping you think and do useful creative work, uh, a great way to help the show is to support us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Lean Into Art is the website. What is it? It's a way for you to give us a monthly upvote. If you believe in what we're doing here and if you find it useful and helpful, you can make the show more sustainable for as little as a dollar per month. And I want to thank five people who have been doing exactly that. Stephen Stonebush, thank you very much. Sophie Lawson, thanks a lot. Stephen Black, it means a lot to us. Nate Marcel, thank you, Nate. And David Armentrout. You can join them all at patreon.com slash lean into art where you'll find all the shows we make as well as the extra leans, the shows we record only for people who support us on Patreon. Get you access to the Patreon only channels of our Discord. And then we recently launched a brand new feature called the Lean Into Art Labs. Uh, and that's the third Thursday of every month. And it is you know, it's a chance to show up, share what you're working on it might, and what might be blocking you, and we'll be there to encourage you and find new possibilities. It's a place to work in the presence of others, whether you choose to share or hang back. Uh, both Rob and I have decades of experience in teaching and facilitation of creative groups and processes of all kinds of projects. So that's, it, 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 we have the introductory price of $10 a month at patreon.com slash lean into art. Thanks to everybody who supports us there. It means a lot to us. Mm-hmm. It really does. <sighs> okay, I need yeah, that. Uh, we just we did our first um, first session of that, and it went super well. And uh, I don't know, like it, it's something that I mean, you don't want to work alone forever. You don't. It's not like you're hiring another boss to tell you what to do. You're checking in with peers, and you may have ideas for your peers. And it's nice to connect with your work in other kinds of ways, besides the the grind of you know putting in the putting in the time and whatnot. It's that's awesome too. I hope right enjoying mm -hmm. that journey but uh it's wearing all those hats alone it's another way to to sort of um it's to have a different kind of experience with it so yeah whoa well. <laughs> that means we're now in the second part of the episode <laughs> so yeah these little musical singers are just there for those who are like if maybe you feel like you started to get like that highway hypnosis and listening to the podcast there's a little bump there to make you go like oh okay we're talking about stuff yeah, right. again yeah we're here to make you relax and think about your uh, work and uh, but have a good time about it feel connected to your ideas yeah <laughs> you're listening to kjzz all right so Okay, let's let's talk about you know the raid and what yeah. did you want to talk about with the raid? What happened? You got raided? What? No. So you <laughs> you so you shared that that's so it's, I heard you got surprised, but it didn't mm -hmm. feel good. Not a feel mm -hmm. good surprise. Yeah. Um. Why is that? Why wasn't? Why wasn't it? Um. Yeah. Heck yeah. Woo. Well, because We're all like in on this. thirty people showed up at once and they used the mm -hmm. word raid. <laughs> uh -huh. 
<laughs> and it, it was unexpected. There was no uh-huh. context or explanation. There was just the word raid and then a bunch of people saying hello. Um, so my natural reaction was is that unexpected things happening on the internet with strangers usually is not a delightful mm. surprise. Therefore, I don't want my chat because kids could be watching. I don't want my chat mucked up with, you know, strange people saying weird things. So mm. I'd rather I'd be preemptive and just boot you out of the room. Right. So <laughs> you tried to raid Jersey. Uh-uh. Get out. <laughs> How interesting, though. But like I am not. Um, this is one of those things where where it's a perfect moment where folks who are in on a joke and not in on a joke can be laughing at your status. You know, look at you. Ha ha. But but like I was, you know, just really briefly, I was um, I took a, uh, let's see, what was I doing? I, it was one of those things. It was also almost like how I started watching Dragon Ball Z many years ago where uh, I'm doing some work, but I'm going to have something on in the background do, to do, right? So I turn on a, um, a Twitch stream by one of the um, members of the band Unleash the Archers, uh, mm. Grant Truesdell, right? Who had hit one of his other members of the band, um, uh, 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 Britt um, Brit Slays, right? Anyway, lead singer and one of the guitarists of this band are, are just playing and having fun doing uh, different covers, partial covers of songs and what have you. And it was very distracting. And I was like, this is I'm that's it. I, I thought I was going to just chill and uh, or, or no, while I'm going to have this relaxing thing while I'm getting some other work done. I got a little bit done, but it was just mm-hmm. too fun and funny to watch. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I, I tuned in so late that all of a sudden, like 15, 20 minutes later, there's talking about doing a raid and what have you. Yeah. And I was like, what's happening? And all my, now my, my researcher hat kicked, I'm like, like, boop. I like, like just, I reached over, boom, put it on. I'm like, all right, what's going what, what's going on here in this platform? I don't understand. And I, and watch these humans <laughs> do things that I don't know what they're up to. Yeah. And you know, it's a very, com- uh, comfort zone mode for me so i'm like i'm learning and like grant is re- he's typing ticket 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 look looking look, he's like we're gonna raid someone tick, 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 tick. you know like looking up like who he's gonna do so there must be tools in the background for folks who are like you know um platform uh blessed acknowledged fancy status what have you right mm-hmm. um you're at the status of twitch that i imagine your partner that's what it is anyway yeah yeah language anyway um that uh okay so then they're like we're gonna raid and i'm like uh, i'm feeling uncomfortable we're going to raid i'm i'm, I'm what what's happening mm-hmm. and i'm like oh, i'll just roll with it let's see what happens and then he's like we're gonna but, but he's repeated enough things that was like oh we're gonna then he, he chose someone's channel to raid once he found one and then I think he must have messaged this person behind the scenes. Maybe. I don't know, but that they did seem surprised. So all of a sudden we show up in another related channel. Like there's, this was a person who was playing guitar and whatever. Anyway, um, jamming along with different tunes and stuff. It's kind of, kind of sort of fit with what was happening in that other channel. And I was like, ah, it's platform engagement. It's they want to retain viewers. They're trying to funnel them from one point of attention to another point of attention. It's almost like the, you know, Twitch is helping usher people around. They're like, this Mm -hmm. show's over, but the next show's happening. Let me just pop you up over here. And I'm like, wow, that's fascinating. Um, Anyway, like a lot of different interesting uses for that. 
but but I felt weird because of the, the the language, the raid, the the unfamiliarity, yeah, yeah, the, the um, yeah. Anyway. And I think this relates to our communication topic, honestly. Yeah, it does. It does. Because like once I realized the context, I'm like, oh, it's like it's a joyful barbarian Viking invasion on my boat. Like a bunch of Vikings just jumped on my boat, but they're here to party. <laughs> right. like, oh, I okay. think the language, the language yeah. probably goes back to, you know, MMOs, right? So people uh, playing <laughs> World of Warcraft who, um, you know, take it seriously and they coordinate. They have people who, who manage a schedule and people who show up to perform jobs on raids, right? To accomplish, you know, particular, um, dungeons and bosses and scenarios and stuff. Um, yeah. So anyway, like I think the language comes from a different group, right? And, but like we use stuff all the time that come from different groups and then you end up sort of adopting, the new context for what that means to you. Like Photoshop's language wasn't really about comics. Um, like clip studio paint has a certain language to it. That's mm -hmm. mostly about comics mm -hmm. and you know, and, and I don't know, like the, this is all, I think, I, I think a lot of really obvious examples, not as much for illust illustration, but certainly for experience design where you think about, um, you know, what's it like to not be in on the joke or in on the language and have stuff just happen around you? You know, that's not always great. So you think about the the feelings of of um, familiarity and comfort and trust and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, like if someone just I don't know. Uh, sometimes you see it when someone redraws a character that you think look should look a certain way and suddenly looks different. Right. Mm hmm. Uh, or, or artists who haven't, you know, like like some artists like me who had no idea what his characters were going to look like and just kept, you know, working on it. And, uh, you know, I, you get asked, like, who's that? And I'm like, oh, it's the main character. <laughs> You've been reading for a while. <laughs> I guess they do look a little different this episode. Um, <laughs> anyway, I don't know if you see any connections in all that, but. Well, no, I, I, I do. I, I think this is lending some more context to it, but I want to like maybe like scale us back and talk about, more about our personal feelings on the subjects of how we've encountered this. Because that was like another thing that we promised before the, the, the break yeah. was this sense of like, what are your feelings at the start of engaging with this idea? Like when you're making things, how do you feel? How do you feel about it? And how do you engage with when you're navigating this tension between inspiring awe or um, servicing clarity? Um, I think it's relatively easy when you practice, um, experience design because you're accustomed to coming up with lists of goals of mm -hmm. like, what do I need to accomplish with this thing? What, what, what's in, what am I doing it for? What is my audience? You know, what do they need? Who am I doing? You know, you know, what am I trying to help them experience with this? Um, and so like the cover, uh, the cover art for guitar fretter, um, I, I don't know. I wanted it to, to look and feel more, um, uh, more heroic and refined, you know, like the, the kind of, you know, updating the art style a bit to be, uh, you know, still cute, but more powerful than the, um, sort of extra silly looking versions of those characters I had in the, you know, before. 
which is still in the game right now. If you buy Guitar Fighter, that's what you're getting. It's still a fun game, but you know, it um, the the art style is 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 being updated to to accomplish these new goals. But um, you know, and then and then yeah, so figuring out my intent is, which is another way to say goals is, uh, I, I think uh, goals and also, you know, like outcomes, like what do you want to see happen by doing this thing? And if you take a couple of different perspectives, I think you've got a lot to work with. It's, yeah. it's uh, that gets you past that ambiguity. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, I can see why like the training would be necessary in order to be able to think about it in that way. I think about because what you're also describing is like as as a teaching artist, this is something that I, I just finished a new lesson plan for a, a project where I'm going to be working with the school on something. And in a lesson plan, you have to specifically state what are the um, outcomes and what are the goals. So and and what is the procedure to get there, and why are you choosing this procedure to achieve these goals? In when we say outcomes, we say like what what is the observable thing that we're going to be able to see that the students are doing differently after engaging with this thing, right? Now, when I was coming at this as a cartoonist, I wasn't used to thinking that way. I was used to thinking about what would be cool, what comes from deep inside of me, what's in my heart, what do I want to feel like? I, I thought about my audience to the extent that, like, when I was, you know, in my early 20s, I was like, I only want to make comics for kids. I only want to, I only want to make comics that are accessible to, to young people. Um, so I had that. But I didn't think about, okay, well, what did I enjoy as a kid? What, or rather, I did think about that, but like, what did it feel like when I was a kid reading this stuff? What did it feel like when I was watching and engaging with this stuff? And where was I when I was doing these things, right? How was I different after engaging with these things? And those become useful data points to help me decide in parts of my stories, which is about creating, like, and I'll just use a comics example. I think of it as, when am I trying to create a a pause of aesthetic arrest and 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 I would argue that the the creating the sense of aesthetic arrest in when I do it is largely in effort to achieve clarity because it's important for you to understand how awesome this moment feels so I'm going to really labor over it right I'm going to really apply all of my illustration skills to make this the coolest possible drawing cuz I want you to receive the emotional impact of it and I want you to hold it there's other parts that are more about less more plotty less emotional and those moments are about like just getting us a sense of movement and, and and procedure of moving through a story i don't need to labor over those as much right um but i struggle because as an artist knowing that i'm working in a visual medium i also worry i don't i'm really gonna out myself here rob or as they used to say i'm gonna put myself on blast um, it worries me that the work might look phoned in. I don't want, I don't want anybody to ever feel like I'm not giving this my full attention. And I know that to someone with less contact and context with this work, something where I knock out a background because I really want to focus on what the character is doing it can look like, well, he just didn't draw a background because he was lazy. Right. I remember having a conversation with some uh, non-artists one time about Ernie Cologne, you know, and you know how I feel about Ernie Cologne. Anybody who's listened to me talk mm -hmm. about comics knows that he is, in my estimation, one of the true masters of the medium. And I was showing off this page that he did where he did this really amazing acrobatic trick of comic storytelling. And like, as I was explaining it, the guys were like, yeah, it's too bad he doesn't draw backgrounds though. 
I was like, oh my gosh, right? It's like, it, but it was alerting me to the fact that people with different contexts have different experiences engaging with this work. So that's on my mind. I don't want it to be, right? But it's on, uh -huh. it, it's, it happens, right? I should have been looking this up already, but uh, I'm trying to think. Oh, there's someone I follow on Twitter that I'm not going to accomplish uh, giving them credit unless I look it up. So I'll look it up at some point later. But someone said um, because, gosh, this is someone who's works works in comics and has um, is now embarking on doing their own story after um, like setting aside some big project from I forget Marvel or DC, right? So they they're like, ah, now I'm going to do this thing on my own and and ask uh, ask their crowd, hey, so no holds barred what makes the best story what in comics like what ha what happens i kid you not at least in my feed as far as how it was curated the algorithm could have done this right cuz timeline who who needs that which i <laughs> i'm frustrated with by the way i that's a giant pet peeve of mine yeah um, i don't even know what pet peeve means by no it means i'm frustrated <laughs> anyway um but the uh right after that right after this really cool inspiring question someone goes <clears throat> if they don't put time in the backgrounds, I, I, you know, it takes me right out of it. I can tell if someone phone, phones it in or whatever. I was like, wait, what? Like it was, yeah. it was like I slipped out of banana peel. Cause I, I, I was like, this person just opened up a door for amazing insight and conversation. What am I going to learn in this thread? Yeah. Backgrounds. I'm like, wait. And, um, and, but it's a it's, thing. It is a yeah, thing. It, it is a thing. And, it, and it's legitimate. As much as my surprise is my surprise and feelings about the matter, I'm not trying to say that, that you know, I'm not trying to yuck their yum, right? Yeah. Background, yeah, yeah. Your, your butt off all day long. Study them. Great. Where's Waldo in every comic? Fantastic. Uh -huh. But how interesting the, 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 the experience can be just diminished by that element. But then you got to, if, if that's your audience, then, you know, Hopefully you understand you're, you're dealing with that concern. Oh, and, and one of the ways of dealing with that concern is to build a cap, uh, build a capability to, to make that issue cost less, right? Saying, mm. all right, we're doing, you know, I essentially, we invested enough in a 3d model of this city where all these scenes take place and we'll just position the camera and, you know, do a, do a few things to all of a sudden, um, make the cost of getting that background in place way less. And, um, yeah. That's true. And that, that is something that I, 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 it's probably been a while since I shared this, but yeah, one of my very, my first self-published graphic novel, I knew that it, most of the action in chapter one took place in a fairground uh, and a lot of the action on a Ferris wheel. Now, I don't know how many people here have tried to draw a Ferris wheel, but it's not <laughs> trivial. It's not trivial to draw a Ferris wheel, especially from a variety of angles. Like it appeared in like, I, I want to say like 40 panels in chapter one it, from different vantage points. So it's like, this is going to kill me. Unless, and so, and this is like 2001, so like we didn't have Google SketchUp yet. Uh, I used this like actual proper CAD drawing program named FormZ to build my own Ferris wheel. And then I positioned it in all the angles that it needed to be in, printed it out in blue line, inked it with, you know, rapidograph pens, and then put it in in Photoshop with the rest of the drawings. Um, so that is, yes, you can, I guess you can also find ways to, like you said, uh, make it less expensive to achieve the awe, right? Um, because that's it. What is causing the awe, right? So if you're like, okay, I'm, I'm putting in the information, where is the awe? The awe 
this is the puzzle too, where you mentioned the the sort of the rhythmic nature of, of that of of folks uh, trying to be pragmatic about you know uh, achieving punctuated big moments and stuff, right? And mm-hmm. it it reminds me of well, in you know you deal with that in music too, and some some genres are full of uh, let's say high traffic notes, right? The whole time, right, right, right. And some genres are are way less, and even I'm just talking metal here, right? But yeah, like yeah. Some, some some aspects of of metal are just very like crunch, 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 doom, 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 crunch, crunch, like like very slow. But then sometimes folks will juxtapose those things and say like crunch, 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 where it's like that's a rhythmic uh, shift and it's contrast. And so mm-hmm. the awe happens where you're like, oh, where like, oh my gosh, there's some some star of energy bursting off in my ears because the the solo hits at the right time. Anyway, mm-hmm. I, it's like you're. When do you unleash the amount of information uh, that is uh, helping make the emotional aspect? Because I I can I summarize the awe as you know an emotional impact, like. Right. And and that, again, pointing back toward this idea of let's not get too confused about the idea of what we mean by awe. It doesn't necessarily mean complexity of design or complexity of of, or or production value of illustration, because one could argue that if you've done your work sufficiently, even the simplest of images can achieve awe, provided that you are careful in how you pace out that information and build it. Again, I I always come at this from a sense of story, but like when you have a character say, you know, I never really loved you and having that land, like you could have it be a very simple drawing, but if like everything leading up to that makes that line land the way you wanted it to land, then it's not about visual complexity. It's about emotional complexity too. Right. So other, which are different kinds of information, right? It's, Mm -hmm. You know, not to take so so some artists hearing this would you know I could see running away from it and saying like well <laughs> stop you you've you've removed the soul and whatnot yeah. and uh, I don't know like it doesn't feel that way necessarily to me though I I understand that right so my study of guitar has been more of this um, in, intuitive style of practice right but other other disciplines i find great utility in being able to analyze the heck out of it Mm -hmm. um and yet still it's not like it huh i don't know it it makes me reconnect with how the heck i put emotion in probably um like um so think of a specific example um i i don't know if like where the, where does the meaning come from in the thing, right? Well, so you're you're you know you've got the the visual objects in the world that you're replicating and stuff, getting enough context, you know, for the background to know you know where things are, getting enough context as far as um, what's at stake, um, is someone you know safe or not, whatnot. So there's a scene in my comic toward the our Art Geek Zoo, um, the way of sound. It's and it's I forget. It's like episode hundred ten ish. Right. And it was um, it's this thing that um, had a big impact on me, but I honestly don't know how much it has in the audience. But it because it's it's this whole um, when I tell it like I've used this that comic in one of my talks 
And when I tell it, it, you know, it can get a, you know, a little bit of a tear jerk reaction or what have you. Right. But I don't know if it all is accomplished with the, with that piece on its own. So I don't know. There's all kinds of stuff in there. And and what happens is um, it's this tension where uh, crunchy, the mystical guitar, he's trying to get pulled. He's trying to, to resist his, his family of origin who are trying to take him back and put him back in his place to, to do his job in for the mystical guitar tribe. And um, he's resisting, but they're, they're, triggering in him all this stuff from his background that he doesn't want to experience. And so he actually physically transforms into like a more monstrous visage of, of himself. Right. Mm. And, uh, and he tries to, um, shove aside his friend and say, just give up on me. Basically I'm a monster. And his friend hugs him right then and, and says, there's no way in hell I'm going to let you go. And, that is a whole combination of things being encoded to accomplish um, maybe not awe, but emotional impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, no, you're also reminding me. <laughs> and thank you for sharing that, Rob. I could tell it was it's not the easiest thing for you to talk about all the time. Uh, no, but like, I don't know I, how the hell that happens still. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So and I know people are reacting to all, you know, all kinds of elements, but like, yeah. anyway, yeah, yeah. I would be interested to hear if any, anybody who's read uh, Art Kiksu, The Way of Sound, like if, if you've read that and whether or not that landed for you, that would be an interesting thing to let us know. And whether or not Rob's yep. use of backgrounds was sufficient to deliver the emotional impact of that hug. We know the but, answer is no. <laughs> No, but it's it, this goes to another thing about this idea of laboring over the art sometimes. Like something I talk about in my classes, and it sounds very jazzy when I say it, is like sometimes it's about what you don't show. Um, so I think of the scene in Wreck It Ralph. This is the example I always go to because it was this moment where I stopped using my analytic eye and got caught up in the story, and I was really 100% feeling the emotion of the story. And it was when Ralph hangs Vanellope on the tree and he smashes her car. Because he knows he has to do it to save her life. She doesn't know what he knows. And he has to use his bad guy power to hurt his only friend he's ever had, right? And I'm getting all choked up watching this. But when he starts smashing the car, they don't show it. They only show him from the shoulders up pounding into the ground. You see her over his shoulder crying as he's doing it, right? So the act of destruction, they really make you not... They The, the, the moment was not about showing the details of the destruction is that would distract you from what really the moments are. And I guess this points back to clarity is what's the moment about the moment is about the betrayal she's feeling, the hurt she's feeling and the difficulty he has in doing what he perceives to be the right thing. He's doing what he thinks is a good guy thing. And then at the end of the scene, she says, you really are a bad guy. Oh my gosh. That's so well done. Right. And then they show yeah. the wrecked car afterwards. Masterful. Amazing. So uh, that is, yeah. And yeah, that's the brick at Ralph. I, I, <laughs> I can tear up multiple times on that 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 movie. Um, <laughs> the, but let's see. So what you show, what you don't show, what you make it about. I wonder if what this is is our own our own skill versus our egos as artists. I wonder. Um, mm, mm, is mm. that would that be a useful uh, wondering to visit after our after a break? I think that's real. I think that's an excellent place to take it. Right? Because yes. I love talking about ego uh, and I love talking about, you know, how 
how perilous this journey can be because we can get so mixed up and so easily, uh, we can easily conflate the things we do with who we are and, and, what, and what it looks like versus what it does, right? We start every show saying, I'm a, you know. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So I, this, this is a task I general, gen, generally speaking, I perform these tasks. <laughs> that's, that's really what we're saying. But yes, the shorthand is dangerous because it, it's, I'm not I, uh, announcing my identity. I'm announcing the functions I perform. And even that is dangerous. So, okay, let's get to some perilous ground <laughs> after a break. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, um, let's see, how, how, what's the language that we use? I want to make sure that I observe it. If this is helping you think about and do uh, useful work, a way to help the show is to buy the things we make. Um, we, we work hard on the stuff that we make, and then we bring all that hard thinking into this project we called Lean Into Art. And the thing that I make that I hope you will engage with is Boulder and Fleet Mining for Trouble. It is a uh, short graphic novel that you can find at IndiePlanet.com. It's actually, it, you can also find it at Books.Jadros.com. When you are a small bird like Fleet, the world is a dangerous place. Sure, there are local constabularies in the villages and towns, but the wild spaces in between are governed by a single rule. Might makes right. Bandits, fire skeletons, wizards, and all sorts of nasty supernatural and super scientific creatures lurk in the woods, ready to pounce on the helpless small fry. But Fleet's far from helpless. Plucky and ambitious, she's gone into business to make the world safer one adventure at a time, and if she happens to become the most rich and famous adventurer in the bargain, hey, that's not bad either. Her partner is Boulder, a bear with a boatload of muscle and courage. Only problem is he'd rather chat up the locals and have a good meal than punch the bad guys. In fact, he hates fighting altogether, complicating Fleet's plans for fame and fortune. Still, he's a bright light in an otherwise darkish world, so Fleet's glad of his friendship, even if it means having to pencil convince him to go on adventures into our day planner. Books.jadros.com uh, is where you can find it. Rob? Well, I make a workshop called Listening Like a Coach, and... Well, this is a, a thing where you can help yourself get skilled up in in ways of helping others get unstuck just by you exploring new ways of listening. If you go to gum.co slash L-L-A-C-W-S, you can learn basic and advanced methods for coaching conversations. It's a video workshop and has some, some downloadable worksheets and there are activities that are meant to give you practical experience to um, get your own handle and connection with the experience of, of when you've had listening work well for you, when you've done it for others, when others have done that for you. I mean, are you someone that people ask for advice or do people bounce their ideas off of you and, and get your thoughts on their decisions? Well, you don't have to put in your agenda. You can learn how to help people um, get unstuck because we get, we get stuck in our thinking about projects and, and even career all the time in different ways. And well, that's what this class is for, to help you listen to new ways and help people navigate their own way forward. So if you're looking to grow as a leader, or even a coaching peer where maybe you're looking to um, expand your teaching artist skills or, um, and, and anywhere you serve on your on your teams where maybe you're, you develop products or, or engineer stuff with others. Um, anyone looking to discover more about professional development coaching, this is who, who it's for. So if you go to gum.co slash L-L-A-C-W-S, you can get your own form of listening like a coach, whether the downloadable workshop or if you would like the um, the 
the uh, Q&A version and lesson that that is also there for you, for yourself or for your team. Go to gum.co slash L-L-A-C-W-S and get your copy of that workshop, Listening Like a Coach. Okay, so let's close out with some wondering. Uh, wondering about whether we're talking about our, our role, as, or our ego as an artist versus our skill as an artist. Is that the way you framed it up? Yeah, because... You know, we're talking about skill as far as the, the like maybe your strengths or your discovering of the meta process of managing and putting putting your skill to use and succeeding. Right. That's that's where all the analysis and awareness comes from um, versus saying like um, this this. How much involvement does intuition and, and ego because maybe there's they're related, right? How much involvement does it get and how much say does it have in what you end up putting into the world? Um, you know, probably a lot for, for getting started. There's all kinds of ways where it's, it has impact and, and meaning and, 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 but, but I, isn't that maybe part of this tension? Mm-hmm. Um, because you could have ego and your clarity or in the, uh, either way or, or both. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, 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 it feels, it feels very, very good when I draw something and it looks like what I wanted it to look like. It's that, that's, that's, that's a, a hard to surpass happiness. Hmm. Um, and which is good. It's awesome. You get to experience that. Yeah. <laughs> I like how Rob said that in a way where it's like, must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was encoded in there a little bit because that's something that you kind of come at every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. But let me say this: it I've been doing this twenty five years. It doesn't happen that often. It very I would say it's comparatively rare for it to happen exactly as I hoped it would. Um, and something else that I think is an important aspect of this, at least for me, is that I am not the final um, arbiter of whether or not the work is good. It's going to, it's meant to make, make contact with the world and the world is going to give me signals as to what they want and need. And just as like I can walk into a classroom and I can have Abraham Lincoln level rhetoric. If it doesn't capture the kids' imaginations, I did it wrong. Right. Um, so there's only so much my ego can bring, right. Uh, and I'm not, I'm, I, I don't want anybody to think that I'm without ego. I certainly have tons of ego. And that ego is also a voice that says, eh, you're going to fail this time, bro. Yeah, I see it. You're going to fail. I'm here to warn you. Mr. Mr. Chastising voice here to like give you a hard time. Um, ego for me is thinking about my wants and needs in the interaction of the thing. And so some language that I go to to help protect me um, and I would I would call this more medicinal than um, combative. Is I try to remind myself: Am I having fun doing this? Right? Because and this goes to and I, again. I was talking about this this morning on my live stream. Um, Cole Glass was on Brandon Dayton's podcast, uh, "How to Be an Artist," and he said, you know, when we first encounter and we're first gripped by this 
endeavor of, of making art, whatever art it is, you start out doing it because you love doing it, right? Like no kids like going like, I have to do this because I have to be a master. They're doing it because it's fun to do. That's what initially grabs you, gravitates you towards. Then you start to think about, okay, I'm noticing that some of this is better than others. I like this art and I don't like that art. You start to develop that taste and you start to have like a sense of, uh, you, you get some discriminating, um, you know, criteria in your head discerning criteria I mean, you should say that but discrimination is it works too right it's like you you tell like i like this but not that so suddenly you start to think about like well how do i make it good right well now that's important that's important to your growth as an artist i went through that too and i'm still going through it like how do i make this good but now i'm also thinking about like am i having a good time at this is it, is it a pleasurable experience even when it's tough can i still say but it's worth it i like doing that right I'm I'm getting to bit a little bit grumpy about the whole idea of I hate writing but I love having written. That to me sounds like a very tragic existence. Um, I want to say, oh, it was so hard, but oh my gosh, I got to think about drawing for like a year and a half. It was so fun, but it was so hard. A baseball game, football game, they're playing hard, but they're playing a game, right? Like I I have never heard an interview with a baseball player going like I hate baseball but I love hitting home runs. What? What? That doesn't even make any sense, right? So do you see what I'm saying? I do. I do. Uh, I just, I wonder, these, like, it, like uh, the f emotional framings, they're, they're powerful. Like, even <laughs> that, the like, those ideas that you, you, you said that where, um, are, are we know that if we somehow accomplish imbuing enough of what we feel into what we make, we know it's going to connect more and and uh, it, more with even one person, and possibly and probably with more people because we accomplish that beacon, that thing of belief and care and 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 essence of life in the universe and that you exist and someone else can recognize it because somehow emotions travel and hit at the speed of light and they're 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 they do that job so much on us and with us <laughs> that yeah. that's like you know so ideas that that are, are, are i mean emotions there's we're standing on stacks and stacks of emotions all the time with like how do I navigate this creative task? And like, oh, someone, you know, said um, this thing that resonates with me because they put it in an emotional freaking envelope that made it go pew right, right out of their idea chasm into your whatever, right? I mean, um, <laughs> that that like I, oh, I hate writing, but I like having written. Thank you and f you both, right? <laughs> Sir, curse it! I, I, it's awful to to deal with like that kind of thing where you're like gosh now i have to wrestle with this and why did why do you have to wrestle with it why did it enter your experience because someone got you they hit a nerve and 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 it's and it's i don't know so and doing that on purpose ethically <laughs> isn't that one of our things that we're trying to accomplish all the time <laughs> well at least in this neighborhood yes <laughs> These are values that the community of Lean Into Art cares about for sure. Uh, yeah, we're we're not going to write the 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 pickup artist version of how to make art. 
Wow. <laughs> wow, that blows my mind. The... Uh, yeah. I don't even... I, yeah, I don't... Wow. But well, I, I just I thought of that just because you know, that's that would be the prime example of what I would call unethical emotional manipulation, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, well, honestly, so... Well, this is one of the things that you can experience if you're dealing with um, like marketing as one of your main jobs a lot because you're going to be dealing with embedding signals, which we, we haven't mentioned. But if you think about uh, a mental model for cognition, it's not perfect, but it's 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 functionally useful. Right. Where if you have your um, your emotional brain, your rational brain and your um, let's say your basic uh, survival brain. Right. Emotional, I, rational, and survival brain. Yeah. yeah. And so there's a lot of a lot of projects in marketing, like you're going to be sent back to review and to fix and stuff. If it isn't hitting maybe survival brain as hard as it can, right? <sighs> yeah. Anyway. If you don't got funzo, you're nothing. <laughs> right. You you're will be, be exiled. Alone. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's or, a Simpsons you know, quote, everybody. Uh, other yeah. other types of uh, things that get associated with, let's say, um, six, some aspect of genetic transmission success. Um, yeah, yeah. So, but to go back to your initial premise, as we close this one out, because I feel like we've we've walked around this one, I think pretty pretty like as thoroughly as can be in an hour and change. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think that, like, I if I were to go back to my own experience of making comics, is that I, I do constantly get tripped up in trying to create things that satisfy my ego and not things that serve my audience. And the way the shorthand I've developed for myself is is really asking myself, is this something that the audience is even going to care about? Um, remembering the experience of the audience, like the person who says, like, if you don't draw backgrounds, you phoned it in. Well, not necessarily that person, because I don't think I'm here to serve that person. But when I think about, I don't, like, I have to do the perspective taking of understanding the worldview and the experience and the context of the person who is ultimately going to read this book. Um, so, and their experience is, like, like for instance, I, I here's here's a, a one last anecdote that I'll use to illustrate this point. Um, I don't have children, but I work with children a lot. And some friends of mine at A two Calf one year brought their young nieces to the show because Rana Telgemeier was at the show, and they were like, "We can't get away from our table, but Jersey, could you go wait in line with them to go meet Rana?" And I was like, "Of course I will." Now we're in this long line because it's Rana Telgemeier, and so I thought this is an opportunity for a teachable moment. I said, "Okay, you know, authors really love is they love it when you notice something that's unique about their work and you tell them that that's why you like it. You can you can say I'm a fan of everything you do, and that's meaningful, but it's not as meaningful if you can name three specific things. So while we're waiting in line, let's talk about what are three things you really like about Rana's books. And one of the kids was like, "Well, they're real." like fuck they're real you know and it was like oh I, yeah i guess that's really important to young people right it's like when you say this is a true story kids always go oh and they lean in you know i'm like oh okay well can we expand on that idea can we dig a little deeper what is it about the reality of our book that speaks to you you know and i wound up having to change my language a lot in that conversation to meet them where they were rather than say oh so you like it that it's an autobiographical story right no don't do that don't be that grown up <laughs> Here's a toothbrush for Halloween while I'm at it. (laughs) 
So, so, so anyway, but anyway, it was, it was a, it was a teachable moment for me to understand that the, the things that they name that make it engaging for them are not burdened with an enormous amount of nomenclature and complexity of detail that I look at because I've been doing this for 25 years. Right. So that was, that was the teachable moment for me. Um, and there's nothing to replace that kind of thing to actually, um, to listen, listen to the people who are, um, you know, related, connected somehow to the thing that you make. And like you mentioned, perspective taking, it's a really quick way to transport you through the, um, through listening and attention and compassion and empathy and curiosity into a new way of looking at stuff. And then I, I think that makes it easier. I know, I mean, it sure, sure does for, you know, all the UX tools I borrow into and, and use on any of the things I make because, uh, because I'm, I'm connecting with others that it lets me, I don't know, have a better conversation with this, with this idea. And, uh, yeah, I'm including myself. My ego is there. Um, that's certainly like, I've learned that with my, with writing my blog every day. It's like the things I write that are, that are more clinical sounding, that may be accurate, um, they don't have my voice. So it's like if I exclude myself, if I say this is only about my audience, I've lost them because I don't have, it does, the stuff doesn't transmit, right? Because feelings transmit like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like they can carry the information, but just information, does, it doesn't transmit as readily. Right. So, Yeah. yeah. And, and I think I think that going back to this idea of the ego again is like I, I don't think that it's necessarily healthy to completely strip it away. We don't want to be Vulcans making our work. Um, Bones McCoy is my favorite Star Trek character. Uh, but it's it's only one factor. And triangulating the multiple factors can make it seem less bewildering when I am trying to decide what is the purpose of this particular drawing. So... I think I think doing that gut check and looking around, like just figuring out who all is engaging with this. Am I look? Am I looking at? Let me look at this panel again from the perspective of the nine-year-old that I want to read it. Right. Mm. So, and, all right. And yeah, that's pretty fantastic. Um, I'm. Su- anyway, thanks. Uh, th- I don't know. Uh, what a. I don't know if I have. I'm going to have to reflect on this episode because, um, I think there's so many tidbits that as far as a, like you know, turning it into learning module in nourishing ideas. Right. Um, I think it's, yeah, there's, there's probably, this wasn't one of our mini workshops. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I think that, that it, there's something workshopable in there and, and, and I'd really appreciate, uh, you unpacking this and, uh, so can we ask, can we ask the leaders for help on this? Oh, yeah. If you could tell us, are there between one and three things that, that you felt activated by? You don't even have to describe the feeling, but just like you felt a feeling when you heard these one to three things in this episode as we were exploring it. That would be super useful information for us to go forward and make a mini workshop out of it to help make it something that's a little bit more actionable and robust than to two good friends talking. So, Yeah, how awesome is that? Yeah, please and thank you. <laughs> and you can do it in the Lena Tart Discord in the comments uh, channel. 
So, and that one's open to the public, and you can get to it at uh, leanintoart.com slash discord. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please consider liking it. That helps more people find it and subscribing to the channel wherever you're watching it. And then we do this show every two weeks live at uh, leanintoart.com and patreon.com slash leanintoart. And then the alternating week, we do a mini workshop, which is like, again, it's like designed to be something that is like a little discussion slash exploration with an actionable piece at the end where you can try something for yourself. And that'll be next week. So thanks, Rob. Thank you, Jersey. Until next time, I have been Jersey Droz of leanintoart.com and then rss.jdroz.com for everything that I do. Wow. And well, I've been Rob Stenzinger of leanintoart.com and you can find my blog at interactive-storyteller.com. Okay, bye. Show notes for this episode can be found at leanintoart.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at the user leanintoart, and you can reach us via email at leanintoart at gmail.com. And remember, leaners aren't wieners. Thanks for listening.